Great. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, those who don't know me, my name is Sarah. And I'm, I'm talking in the fourth week of what has been a series we, Sam, started uh, four weeks ago on the church and looking at what, what is the church and what are the different images of the church and, and how can we, we do church better. So Sam, Sam started off just doing an overview of kind of just defining what, what the church is and then Steve Latham spoke the next week on the mission and purpose of the church. So that is ecclesia, I think the word. Um, and then Paul Leonard spoke on fellowship. What does fellowship look like in the church last week? And I'm not even going to attempt the word. The kinonia is the word. This week, I'm going to be looking at um, a phrase that is actually heard quite a lot in the church, um, the body of Christ. And it's the passage that we read out this morning. Soma is the word, I believe. Um, and it's even though... I'm going to be focusing on, we read the passage from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31, and that will be the focus of this talk. It's actually a, it's a, it's an image that runs throughout Paul's letters, throughout the New Testament. Um, so I thought that just it would just be worth just asking the question, what is the body of Christ? We use it a lot as a phrase, but what really is it? And I hope that um, it's been really, really great looking at this. And I think I've, I've kind of drawn out three things that I think is, is what the body of Christ is. I just I hope to share that with you today. So um, I, I imagine, I assume that, like me, everyone here at some point in their lives would have had to have participated in a sports day. I assume... Not yes, is that most people had to do sports day? Yeah, okay. Well, sports day, sports day was a huge deal at my school, a massive, massive deal, and it wasn't a deal that filled me with a lot of joy. Um, the reason it was such a big deal is because um, we weren't very cool. Because the thing that we absolutely lived for was winning the house cup at my school. Everything we did, there were loads of competitions, and at every competition you would win points, and the points would lead to potentially winning the House Cup, which was all we aimed for. Our eyes were on that prize. And Sports Day was such a big deal because you could get a lot of points, and then you might win the House Cup. So uh, this was what we, what we did. There was my whole of my schooling was basically, can you win this House Cup? So sports day was important, but there was a bit of a catch with sports day um, that the teachers imposed on us. And that was that every sports day, every single person in the class had to participate. And it was an athletic sports day. And athletics was not something that I enjoyed particularly or was very, very good at. So, and you had to demonstrate that every single person in your class had an activity to take part in. And more to the point, if, you could, if, if not every single person participated, you could not win. You weren't allowed to win at all. So this was obviously quite a big thing. We had to find something for every single person to do, which meant that maybe the most, the most athletic person couldn't do every single event, and the ones like me who couldn't really do much, like running or throwing or anything, had to do something. So... I think the, 
if we just move on to the next slide, just looking at the body of Christ, and really, I'm really, I feel quite fortunate in many ways that actually this was demonstrated to me in my school, because one of the key messages that I think Paul is saying from the passage and in answering the question, what is the body of Christ, is that one of the key things is that the church or the body of Christ is supposed to be a place where we can all participate. But even, even more than that, I don't, I don't want to use the word compulsory in the way that it was compulsory at my school. But this idea of the body is that, and as Paul goes on to describe, there are lots of different parts of the body, but you can't just opt in. Like, your, your body can't just opt into being part of your body. It really is essential that everyone, part, that, we, that we feel we can participate. I just want to read just, just the two sections from the passage. I know we read it together, but I'd like to read them again. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink, so that the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Again, just this idea comes out in that passage, just the oneness and the fact we're all part of it, but not just in a sort of idealistic way, is that it really is important that we are all participatory. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So the, the, when, I, when I was reading these passages, the thing that, I, that did strike me was that I think we can sort of all intuitively see why this might be a good, might be a good thing. Um, I think it kind of probably come. We can. It, I think about it, and it would seem something we could maybe relate to. But what I'm not sure Paul doesn't say explicitly is um, what we what we gain from it necessarily. But I'm sure that in our lives we have seen examples of this. So I, I promise this will be the only turn to the person thing in this in this talk. But if we just go to the next slide. I'd love us to look at, I'd love us to just turn to the people next to us and think about this. What do we as a church, or what could we as a church gain from, part, from this participation? Um, the example, just a, another example to illustrate this is, for instance, if I wanted to make a cake and there was a professional cake decorator in the church, I could very easily just ask that person, could you decorate this cake? And I'm sure it would come out very, very beautifully. But would there be something to be gained also from asking all the children to decorate the cake, um, which may not come out so beautifully? Because in the way that what I think my teachers were trying to t teach us in my school is that sometimes it is easier to do things ourselves and give it to the best person. But is that necessarily what God wants? 
So if we could just turn into twos and threes, and if a couple of people would maybe want feedback, just thinking about what do we gain from this foot participation in church? Okay, great. If we just come back. Is there anyone who might be willing to share their ideas, maybe what they discussed? Doesn't matter if not, I'll carry on. But is there anyone who might potentially? Yeah, Ben. You get to uh, grow the church and build it up so that people who um, can, could do something, actually have the chance to grow. Oh, was I not actually talking to it properly? <laughs> you get to build up the church so that people who aren't as well skilled, aren't as good at something, can actually grow and um, they can build up. So you're not just dependent on one person to do all that thing all that time. Great, thank you. Does, does anyone else, just maybe one other person, something they talked about? No? Okay, fine, I'll carry on. So, um, you know, if in, in the terms of my sports day, um, I mean, we, for what you may, what we may not have won, as in, oh, actually we did win, but what, what we might not have won, if we hadn't have won, um, we would have, I would have actually, have, I have won quite a lot from it. I'm very grateful for it. I may, you may not have won the prize by allowing people who can't throw and can't run to take part in the javelin and, I don't know, the other things, but... What I would have gained is co-op- I gained cooperation and patience and friendship. So there is, Paul is suggesting there is a lot to be there is a lot to be won from participation, and I think we know that even though he doesn't explicitly say this in this passage, we know he mean, we know he's suggesting it because he tells us the ways that we might like we might may not participate. And I think it's just worth having a quick look at them. So if we go on to the next slide. So what might be the things that stop us from fully participating in the body of Christ? These two verses give us one example of that. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. So the first reason Paul is suggesting is that it might be something to do with how we see ourselves in relation to the body. Perhaps we don't feel we're good enough, or perhaps we look at what other people are bringing and maybe kind of idealize it or maybe think, wow, that looks really, really good. So that's the first reason Paul suggests. So the second reason, if we could just go on to the next one. Again, what what is the other thing that might stop us from participating? The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable, or are indispensable, and the parts we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. So again, the second reason Paul is suggesting that might stop us from participating fully in the body of Christ might be because maybe we we do want to give tasks to the people who we think might be the best, or um, we we're not necessarily sure whether we can trust people to do to to take part in it. Um, 
So if we go on to the next slide, I don't want anyone to discuss this with the people next to them, but just might be something to think about in your lives and in the lives of church. Just are there things that maybe hold us back from participating in the body of Christ? But also what might be the things that hold us back from allowing other people to participate? Um, because I do think Paul is saying um, what I think this African proverb really sums up, which is, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. Okay, so just to keep up my, my sports day, um, in my second, second point, has anyone heard of Dina Asher-Smith? Do you, know, do you know her? Yeah? Anyone heard of her? Yeah? She is the fastest woman in Britain at the moment. She's the fastest 100 and 200 meter sprinter. And she won the relay. Uh, no, that's not true. She won a bronze medal at the Rio Olympic relay. So she's fast. And I went to school with her. And she was very quick there as well. I mean, we didn't know she was like best of Britain kind of quick, but she was definitely quick for my school. Um, so sports day was always a bit stressful for those who were up against her, um, <laughs> as you can imagine. But of course, we, we really wanted to win in sports day. So um, she was a few years younger than me. So, but for the girls who were in my house who were competing against her, in um, our wise council as the older students, we would just say to them, aim for second. Just aim for second place. And, you know, second place will give you points, and points will give you prizes. So just aim for second. <laughs> Don't try to be her. So Paul, um, when Paul's writing about the body of Christ, he's writing to the church in Corinth, in Corinthians, and uh, well, that's what the letter of Corinthians is about. And he absolutely he loves this church. He absolutely loves it. But they were completely divided completely divided about um, this idea of spiritual gifts. They were actually divided about lots of things, but one of the things they were divided about was this idea of spiritual gifts. Now, some people were having very intense spiritual experiences, and other people were kind of just stopping them or getting in the way, and, and some people, they were, just, they were just fighting. And Paul was like, no, no, this is why he's talking about the body of Christ, um, one of the reasons, he's saying there is this division. So he tries to address this, this idea of spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth. So if we go to the next slide. So let me just read it out. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I know the, the version we read was slightly different. I don't think Paul is in any way suggesting that it's not a fantastic thing that some people are really, really blessed by God with certain spiritual gifts. Um, and I think that's something that, as a church, we should, of course, celebrate. Some people are really do have a calling for one of these things, for a spiritual gift. But I think what Paul is saying is the point I really would like to make, is that um, what, when we ask again, what is the body of Christ, um, 
the body of Christ is also a space where it is okay to have a go and to desire other gifts as well. There will be people who have an anointing of a certain gift, but the, the point of the body of Christ is that we really, it should be a space where it is okay to have a go. And I do, I do think there's, I'm, I just want to draw out two examples that I think that where the Bible is really quite explicit about the fact that some people have an anointing, but we are actually all called to take part in that as well. Um, the first example is about the priesthood, and the second is about prophets. So if we move on to the next slide. Nigel, the priests, the priests. <laughs> when, when Jesus was crucified and the temple curtain was ripped, that was as both a symbol but also just a, well, a symbol and the reality of the fact that through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are able to approach God. Whereas in the past, that was a role that only the priests were able to have. Um, and there's this idea of a priesthood of all believers. is quite a sort of Protestant idea that as the body of Christ, we are all able to approach God But more than that, we are also all able to bring other humans to God too. We're all able, through through Christ, we are able to help the people around us come to God. You know, in, in Peter, it says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And what this is saying is that Yes, we know that there is anointing for some people to have formal roles in the church, um, the priesthood or, or the leaders of our church, whereby they have a vocational calling and anointing to help us as a church be drawn towards God. But it doesn't mean that we're not also supposed to be doing that as well in our, in our lives, in our, with our families, in our work. So it's really important. This is an example where, again... There is an anointing on some people, and that's great. Like We're thankful that there is an anointing on Nigel and Jenny and Sam. But there is also a calling for us to be, take part in that as well. And the flip side of this is, prof, is prophes, prophets and prophecy. Whereas the priesthood, or the, sorry, if we just go move on. Whereas the priesthood, um, the priest, this idea of the priestly order, the priesthood, is about um, bringing man to God, prophet is the sort of the other side of the coin. To prophesy or to is about bringing God to man, speaking forth the word of God and what God has for for a situation and for lives to the people. It's like two sides of the same coin, in many ways. And again, like Paul said, it there are some people who are anointed to be prophets. There are some people, this is their vocational calling in the body of Christ. But it doesn't mean that we aren't also supposed to be learning the ways of how to speak God's truth into situations, to prophesy. And I think what Paul did last week, just creating a space whereby people could come forward and bring the word of God, it was so, so important. Um, Because it is true, again, this idea that 
just because there are people who are anointed to do it does not stop us. In fact, rather the opposite. We are also called to have a go and to do it. And we may get it wrong, but it doesn't mean we're not supposed to be doing it. Um, I've been reading uh, a biography of uh, William Wilberforce, who was the great abolitionist of the slave trade. He fought his whole like he spent his whole life. He was a politician fighting to to abolish the slave trade. Now there is no indication that he was a prophet, but why is why shouldn't it be that he saw a situation and spoke forth what he thought God was the truth and God's righteousness and what was bringing the kingdom of heaven into a situation. He may not have been a prophet, but he was prophesying as to what he thought the kingdom of heaven and a vision for this earth would be through Jesus Christ. So again, I just want to say, one of the, the first reason why what, what is the body of Christ is a place of participation, but the second reason I think Paul is saying is that the body of Christ is also just a space where we really can just have a go as well. Okay, finally. So this is my final sports day story for you all. There was one year, a very distressing year in my life, whereby the the very sporty people in my class put together the list of who was going to be doing each event, and this list was published, and I ran my finger down it to discover that to my absolute horror, I had been put to do the high jump. <laughs> now, I'm wearing quite chunky shoes, but, I mean, I'm not a high person. I'm just over five foot. So the thought of doing the high jump of all the sports was a disaster for me. Um, I thought, oh, no, but my class are depending on me to do as well as I can because we've got to win this house cup. So I was like, I better go practice. So I went there, you know, to the, um, know, the high jump, and you know, I saw the other girls who I was going to be up against who were about twice my height, and they were scissoring over this pole, which basically means stepping. And I was, I actually just couldn't reach it. I could barely see it. So I had to learn how to do um, the Frosby flop, which is launching yourself backwards over this pole, which was all rather, rather stressful for me. So anyway, the time came of sports day where I had to do this in, in front of everyone. Um, but it was, it was okay, because even though my cruel class had actually put me to do this, they were all there cheering me on. I had a very nice class. Um, so for those who weren't competing themselves, they were all there surrounding me, cheering away, like, come on, Sarah, you can do it. And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, anyway, so I, so it was round one, and, you know, most people were walking over this pole, and there I was, running as fast as I could, launched myself over. I cleared it. Yeah, I cleared it. Round two. Again, I was very determined. I had to do the best I could for my class. Ran up again, launched over, I cleared it again. Not everyone cleared it, though, this time. Some people were knocked out. Yes. And, <laughs> and this kept going. Round, the next round. Launch, launch. And then a few more people were knocked out. It's like, oh, this is, this, is, this is not too bad for me. Every round came until, to the surprise of everyone, I was in the final two of the high jump. 
By this point, I'd, I'd won quite a lot of points for my class by coming in second. So I was already feeling quite good. But I think my class, who were on my side, were shocked and were just shouting and cheering, come on, Sarah, you can do this. I was like, gosh, I mean, I may not be able to, but, you know, they've got my back. Um, so there are, there, are three, there are three, you can have three attempts at each, each thing. And um, I... I did, the, I, I did the first one, and I, I hit it over. And then I did the second one, and I hit it over. And I just had a go. I, I was like, you know, Sarah, this is your last chance, your last chance to clear this. So I just kind of composed myself and ran as fast as I could towards this pole, sprung up, launched myself backwards, flicked my legs up, tipped my head back. It was all quite quiet, really until I crashed onto the mat. And the crowd started cheering. I had cleared the high jump in the final round. And then the other girl, who was, again, like I say, pretty much five foot ten or six foot, or I don't know, something high, um, was on her final one. And we were waiting in absolute suspense. Would she clear this in her final one? She ran up and knocked it over with her foot, which meant that I had won the high jump. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, some people surprise us, you know. <laughs> I surprised them. Um, and I think this idea of people who are surprising sometimes um, is, a, is a theme that runs, out, runs throughout the whole Bible. But that's not quite the point I want to make. Um, can I just, just move on to the next slide? But indeed, it is true. The body of Christ is a place where sometimes there are people who will surprise us and be able to do things that we don't necessarily expect them to do. And I think I'm reassured that Paul even says it about himself. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but as Paul even describes himself, just saying, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Um, so... It's, I think this is just a reality of the church, and I think it's what makes the church beautiful, is the fact that it really is a place where there are... Pl- it is a surprising place. There are lots of surprising people who we may not necessarily think they can do something, and yet they, they can. But what, again, what is the body of Christ? I think the body of Christ is a, is a place where we really can be cheerleaders to each other, and is a culture where we do support each other, because the church is a place where there will be surprising people. But the world is a place where there will also be lots of opposition. So we need cheerleaders. We need to be cheerleaders in the church. We need to be encouraging each other. You just move to the next side. I mean, a home advantage is a real thing. I mean, this is British Airways' advert for the London Olympics. It's only a home advantage if you're home. Don't fly. Support Team GB. I mean, it's quite a good marketing tool, but the fact that a company that makes money from flying is also saying don't, because the home advantage is a real thing, really says something. You know, we are, as members of the body of Christ, we, ha- we, should, be having, we should have a home advantage being part of the body of Christ. As believers in Jesus, when we come to church and as members of the body of Christ, should know that we are the home crowd and we have everyone's backs. I just love, like, um, you know, when Andy Murray won Wimbledon 
and then he went on to win the London Olympics. Um, just the home crowd, they loved it. I loved it, it was great. Um, it's so important. That what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is a place where we have a home crowd and we have a home advantage and that we really are cheering each other on. Can we just move on? I think the, the Bible does also say this. You know, in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with the perseverance the race marked out for us. We are supposed to be a great cloud of witnesses to each other, and we're supposed to be cheering each other on all the time. So I suppose just to kind of sum up, um, I've just looked at what, what is the body of Christ. I suppose the reason, I think the next logical question is why? Kind of why, why are we the body of Christ? And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 24, just to top off the sporting analogy, um, he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. I think that is the point of being a participatory body of Christ, being a place where we can attempt to do different things and being a place where we encourage each other is that we are all running a race to bring the good news of Jesus into our, into our lives, into our situations, to bring the kingdom of God and the glory of God to this earth. That is the ultimate prize that us as the body of Christ are participating in. But we need to be equipped to do that that means creating a culture whereby we can have a go at things and also encouraging each other along the way. So I just pray that these are the things that um, both in the churches that we have encountered in the past and this church and anywhere we might encounter in the future, these will be the characteristics that are of the body of Christ and can help propel us forward so that we can all run the race and we can all win the prize. So, Amen. Yeah.